What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 79. I am your host, Greg, and I'm here tonight with Ryan. Tyler's uh, doing some family stuff. And the Red Wings are winning against Columbus, which is kind of weird. But how are you doing tonight, Ryan? Um, trying to figure out if hell is freezing over because Adam Ernie has two goals on the evening. Larkin on two or, shots. Yeah, on two shots. The one was actually a beaut, like slap shot from right off the circle. And I think the ironic part part of the entire thing is that it came from Nielsen and Perlini, two guys that have really done a whole lot of nothing this season. So the fourth line stepping up, even though it's really been a game of domination by Columbus, more or less. But anyways, I mean, who's missing from the fourth line tonight, though? Who's a healthy scratch tonight? Justin Applegator. Yeah. Healthy scratch Applegator, which Rohan immediately said it's because he's getting traded. If that actually happened, I'm pretty sure that all of LCA in Detroit would like implode and out of celebration. Yeah, I don't think I mean, it's a, it's an untradeable contract, but no, no uh, way. we've got a, a few things to talk about tonight. And I think we'll just start with Adam Ernie, because that was pretty impressive what he's done. The first I mean, the first goal was beautiful. And, and I mean, it was a quick, he got the shot off quickly. He picked his, his spot and he hit his spot, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, and the second goal was a nice back and forth. And it's, I mean, two goals on two shots. And, you know, a guy's got a little bit of offensive touch to him. And what was it? 27 games with nothing <laughs> going in game 28. He finally has a couple points for him. Yeah. And it's, and, you know, I mean, Iserman picked him up for a reason. Iserman knows him as a player because he's from Tampa. And I just you got to trust in, in them knowing what they're doing. So I mean, we've talked about him before, especially early on uh, before the season. when We were talking about the trade. He's not a prolific goal scorer, if you will. But he's shown that when you put him out there with decent players, he has the ability to do something. He had 20 points in 65 games last season. So, I mean, for a fourth-line guy, third-line guy, that's kind of what you hope for. That's what we were hoping for a little bit more. But, I mean, for the state of this team, anything is better than nothing. And for him to get out of the nothing cellar with all those guys is pretty, pretty big. Yeah, and I don't think he was playing a ton of minutes in Tampa either, and that's why he got traded because no, I he was told him he'd give him more minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, oddly enough, I have his stats on Hockey Reference pulled up. He's at ten thirty three ice time with uh, Tampa Bay last season, and he's at just shy of eleven forty five for Detroit this year. Yeah, so extra couple minutes could could help a bit. And hopefully the these goals get him going because we could use the supplemental offense from people not named Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi, Fabry. So mm-hmm. and now, yeah, and now Philip Zadina. So I think we'll we can move into the Philip Zadina subject. Finally, uh, Philip, yeah, Philip Zadina just caught on fire. Iserman said, "You know what, Zadina, you're going to stay in Detroit, look for a place." We're keeping you. So they played him that 10th game. The first year of his entry-level contract has been uh, actually go, will be burned this year. Mm-hmm. So he this is now considered his rookie season. Uh, he has 10 games played and seven points, which I think it's seven points in his last seven games, I believe. Uh, uh, so it's because he had that one three-point game. Right. 
So it's, I mean, and, and Zadina, Blash even said it himself, uh, last game or the game before, Zadina was the best uh, offensive player on the ice. Yeah, it was the last game against L.A. where they just looked awful. And But Zadina continues to not only just put pucks on net, but look super uh, super defensively responsible. He's he's back checking like crazy. If he turns the puck over, he gets the puck back. He creates opportunities, and and he's seeing the results of that. So it's kind of crazy what we've seen from Zadina in just a short period of time, where it just seems like a switch has been flipped, mm-hmm. and and he knows what he needs to do now. Yeah, he's to your point. I think the best way to put how he's looked has been disciplined um and we beat it to death last year and we thought he looked great in his nine games last season and he really hasn't missed a beat i mean he was starting to pick it up and was on fire down at grand rapids before getting the call up when mantha went down we were all kind of essentially hoping that he would be the guy that would be brought in to replace that and as we, to much to our chagrin, he was getting buried on third line time. And then finally they decided to just flip him back and forth between first, second line minutes. And it started paying off and he just hasn't missed a beat since then. He looks great defensively. He's skating hard up and down the ice. I wish the dude was faster. If he could get another gear going in the next season, that'd be great. But his passing has been fantastic. Um, the game where for the best looking passes on the team. Mm-hmm. The game where Fabry had two goals, I mean, yes, they were fluke, but one of them was a beautiful saucer backhander to uh, absolutely that was right down down below the faceoff dot that Fabry was able to to bank in. But like stuff like that is just what there wasn't a consistent amount happening in regards to the rest of the team. And he's been able to add that extra layer to the second line for them. And even sometimes on the third line. And then now with Mantha being back, they really have a legit top six, in my opinion. And yeah, and I think like we said that he his development and his style of play is better suited at the NHL level where he uh-huh. has other skilled players to play with. In Grand Rapids, I mean, you're either playing with first-year pros. like I mean, no disrespect to Valeno, but he is also a, fir- he's a first-year pro. Mm-hmm. And and he was doing well, but before that, he was playing with some older guys that are not skilled players. But if you put Zadina, I mean, he's a sixth overall pick. Clearly, they knew they had to take him, and clearly he has the skills and he's shown it. You have to, though, play him with other skilled players so that he can kind of get his shots off, get, mm-hmm. pat, like, like you said, pass to people, beautiful passes. But then those people that he passed to have to be able to score. Right. So, uh, and he has played a total of 19 NHL games and has 10 points. And that's what you expect out of, out of a number six overall pick. Now, what I will go back to is the number three overall pick from his draft class was uh, Isferi Kakaniemi. Um, and, uh, Kakanami this season has 22 games played and five points. So, uh, Montreal is, uh, their, their fan base has become quite silent, uh, on Philip Zadina in the past week or so to the point where I think they forgot that he exists, but I just, in 101 games played, Kakanami has 39 points. Uh, if, if Zadina stays on the trend that he's on to hit 39, he could do it in under 50 games. Oh, my God. If he did that, so, 
that'd be the the trash talking from Rohan, and I think Nick Deese is the other one that uh, really lays it on heavy. He, he had a guy, a Habs fan going pretty pretty great the other day. It, it would never end. It'd be I the just, funniest damn thing ever. The people, and it goes back to the whole crowd where Zadina played nine games last season and mm-hmm. then the first couple games this season, and they automatically wanted to write him off as a bust. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Like, how, how can you write someone off as a bust? I mean, wait at least an entire season, season and a half, two seasons before you can say, yeah, this person's a bust. But there's no way you can consider a guy who has played – 19 games a bus and now has 10 points in 19 games and he just turned 20 he's 20 years old he's a kid still he's still learning he's still developing like you said if he gets faster i mean he's a threat now but if he gets faster think of how much more dangerous that makes his play style because he's become a better setup guy and because he worked on all that stuff in grand rapids uh to develop his game and be a two-way player and to be a playmaker Mm -hmm. just imagine that with a little more speed what what will happen and i i don't know does do they break up the first line next season and put um zadina on the first line do they uh, and slide down bertuzzi uh, to play bertuzzi with fabry i mean there's gonna be a lot of questions going in but i think the one thing that we're sure on now is that zadina is a full-time wing and that's a good little problem to have too, just to finally be able to be like, who do we? Ha- who, what's our top six going to look like? Who do we have as the top three? Do you have a guy like Zadina? Do you flip him around? Do you hit, put Mantha with him tonight? They went back to the original uh, Burt Mantha Larkin line, and they've got Fabry down there with Zadina. Um, but that's all you can ask for as a fan is that that guy, that kid keeps going, and that the rest of those names that we just mentioned, if they bring back Fabry and they have that as still as their top six, and then you bring in another center to complement them. I mean, that's that helps the rebuild out a fucking ton. So Yeah. And, and I mean, I think we're all on the bring back Robbie Fabry boat. No, oh, uh, he, he's been one of I mean, Fabry, if you had a top line even of uh, Larkin Fabry Mantha, mm-hmm. like that's a dangerous line. And in your scoring, if you have a top line and it's night and like you go back to what you said, we've got a legit like two lines now. And and if you have I mean, minus and people will say, well, your second line is is what it's Bertuzzi or Fabry and it's Philpola and Zadina and Philpola is not a second line center. But on this team, he is. Yeah. So you're bringing in some, and he, like I think I said before, he picks his night when he wants to be a good player, Philpa, when mm-hmm. he wants to pass well and set up people well. But if you've got the problem where you're like, well, who am I moving between my first and second line? If you've got guys that can clearly play on the first line that you have to move down to the second line, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, look so, at Toronto. Yeah, so now we need to figure out how to make our bottom two lines, not both fourth lines. Right. That's the issue. So I I think if you're figuring out who you want to give money to and you're between Athanasiu and Fabry, you give the money to Fabry hands down. I wouldn't because especially because you get that, you still run the risk of Athanasiu going into another holdout because of Darren Ferris. Yeah. The known lockout master. I don't know. I just, and some people say, well, maybe Athanasiu needs a fresh start and, the ultimate Athanasiu fanboy has been Krupa now. Yeah. 
And I just, I, I, I can't keep, fault him for it. I mean, it's, I can fault him for part of it because I keep going back and forth. Basically the thing he brought up today or someone brought up that just boggled my mind was like, well, if you put Larkin in his situation, do you think uh, Larkin would be doing just the same thing? I'm like, you can't not compare even it. The same player. Larkin makes players around him better. Athens, you mm-hmm. does not. So if I mean, you put Larkin on the third line, everyone else's points are going to go up. Probably. I mean, it's an old, the way Detroit used to be when they they had players that you could move around like that. When Eisenman was getting older, he was getting third line minutes. But guess what? He still made that team better. Anthony Sioux, if you watch it, like t- tonight's game, for instance, how many times can you think of already where he's taken the puck into the offensive zone and lost it or, or even lost it coming out of the defensive zone? Two or I can three. Think of, I can think of three right off the top of my head. Yeah. One of, them, one of them was along the near boards in the offensive zone on the power play. Got sh- the puck got shot down the ice. Another one was coming out of the defensive zone. He lost the puck there, and it led to a, a scoring chance for Columbus. Like that is yeah. the type of stuff that is consistently happening, which is why that he gets put on the pedestal of shame nonstop by people, like by most fans, and to include us. Like he's got the talent, but he always seems to forget the puck. He's got the talent, but a lot of times it seems like he doesn't have the attitude or the work ethic or the creativity to do stuff. And if your Mm -hmm. only weapon is speed, people can figure that out pretty quick, which is evident. And they have. Yeah, which is evident by him trying to break down the middle of the ice and collapsing on three people defending him. It's just not going to work. And if you can't figure it out, I mean, great. If you trade him and you can get a couple picks or picking a prospect for him and he goes and scores 30 goals somewhere else, that's fine. Because it seems like we have replacements for him that can pick up his production while also being better defensively, mm-hmm. being better set up people, um, ma- uh, managing their ice better. And if I could see Fabry scoring 30 goals this season. Oh, yeah, could- that's what he came in as a pr- projected type player when he first came in the league. Exactly. So, I mean, he's to me, Fabry, though, not as fast. But again, if speed, if your hands don't match your speed, then what's the point? It's like Luis Mendoza. So I see I could see Fabry being a great replacement for Athens to you. And and sure, if he goes and scores. Yeah, if he goes and scores 30 consistently on another team, great. But I don't see him being a consistent 30 goal scorer. I don't I mean, he could have already hit his peak by now. He could trend steady for a couple seasons. If he trends at what he's trending at right now for a couple seasons, that's not great considering what he did last season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not like it's awful. He's got 16 points through 31 games. But and I know we discourage the talk of plus minus. He's a minus 35. 35. Yeah. The next closest is, I, let's see here, Valtteri Filpola, minus 25, who, ironically enough, has been his line mate for most of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and we've said it before, and again, plus minus is not an individual stat, and it should not be used to judge someone, but he's just not good defensively. And no. people keep saying, well, you should put him back at center. That's even worse. You don't put a non-defensive player at center because it's one of the most defensively responsible positions. So it's just his defensive numbers are not good. He doesn't like to back check. He doesn't like to board battle. 
And just he's been a, a disappointment this season, which you can tell me that we hate him and we just like to bash him. And that's not what it is. We're just saying what we see. No, I want him he's to be not, good. That's the worst part. Exactly. He doesn't he, right now. He's not passing the eye test and his metrics are down. He has regressed as a player. And it's not because of who he's it, it, you cannot blame that solely on who he's paired with. It doesn't make any sense. No. So, I mean, he, he's got I mean, the team as a whole, their overall Corsi four isn't that great. But he's 15th on the team with a 45 nine. Yeah. For a guy that is so proclaimed to be an offensive stalwart. It should be way higher than that. And I mean, like I said, it's not like the team's doing great. Zadina right now is at a 48-4. But when you look at Larkin, 53. Mantha, 54. Burt, 52-7. Darren What's Helm Fabry? has a fit. Uh, Fabry is actually just ahead of by 0.1 point. He's at a 46. But that top three line, that top line is what you want. Like you want Anthony Sioux to be push edging forward. So his four, I think, was a yeah two ninety six, and his against is a three forty nine. Like that's that's a hell of a gap. And what we does Zadina at? Zadina is a seventy four at seventy four four seventy nine against. So he's basically he's right there at fifty fifty. I don't know how tonight he's had a couple t- attempts. So I'm not sure if it's influenced it at all. But he, so to bring it back to Zadina, if Zadina keeps playing consistently the way he's been playing. And his his production is similar, and and he gets the ice time. Like I think the last game they said that Zadina's ice uh, his ice time was only second behind Dylan Larkin, which is where he probably should be, and and he can produce and be responsible and and make plays. That again, him with Fabry, one of the two is going to make Athanasio expendable, which mm-hmm. is I think what we said last season that it or early this season if Zadina could come in. And Zadina could produce, he could be a replacement and a high level replacement. So yeah, again, we don't hate Athanasiu. Zadina has been great. Zadina has put in the work. He's hungry out there. He's one of the top forwards every night. If you're going to give money to someone, give your money to Fabry, put Zadina in. If you lose Athanasiu, I don't think you lose much in as far as the rebuild goes. So. No, and I mean we can say that loosely, but I, if you do, if Fabry keeps it up, you do resign him. First, you gain two years in age, I believe, if I remember correctly, for Fabry being the younger of the two. Um, but the only risk there, I mean, you have it with anybody, is can Fabry stay healthy? And we've been fortunate enough, I think, that he has stayed as such because he's been injury riddled since he came into the league. And Anthony Sioux has kind of been more of a, a healthy overall. But the biggest thing to me to take out of that situation is can you get Fabry for cheap or cheaper? Because I, I would see him do, going more towards a show me contract where it's like a one, yeah. maybe two years max where Anthony Sioux could maybe go for a four year deal at a cheaper rate. And if he did that, I'd be 100 percent OK with it. If you got both those guys for a minimum of two years each, I, I would do it. Well, here's the thing. Athanasio right now is making $3 million a season. He's not going to take any less than that. And I think the way he looks at it, I don't think he's going to take any less than five. <sighs> if you look at Robbie Fabry right now, Robbie Fabry is making $900,000. Yeah. 
So is he at the tail end of it, all of his uh, DLC uh, or push or is he what was what's his no, current he's still contract? R, he's still an RFA, but I believe yeah he's an RFA with Arb Rights. Okay, um, but he is only twenty three. Anthony right. is twenty five. So you got a guy that's two years younger. He's the same age as Dylan. Robbie Fabry is the same age as Dylan Larkin. If you consider Larkin part of your core, you could slot Fabry right in there, and you could probably get Fabry for around. Give him an ACU contract. Give him $3 million for three years. Figure out what he wants to do. If he wants to be here, if he wants to help be part of this rebuilding team and wants to be part of the core and likes the city and the people and, I mean, Iserman, then give him a three-year contract. Give him a four-year contract, depending on how well you think he's going to do, and give him it at $3 million. And there's no harm in that because the cap's going to go up. You've got people dropping off. You can get rid of $3 million in Athanasiu if you want to trade him. Mm-hmm. And you can sign Fabry for the same amount of money. So effectively, at that point, you're just knocking $3 million minus the 900000 so 20, uh, two, $2.1 million off your books in signing Fabry and letting Athanasiu walk. Right. So I, I just – it's a headache. I feel like Athanasiu is just a headache of a player have because of his contract negotiations and because of himself inflating his value and threatening to play overseas and all that stuff and it's just it's kind of a headache you don't want as well as him underperforming this season it's just I feel like it's easier to trade him or let him walk and I mean he can't really walk because he's an RFA but Mm -hmm. you can trade his rights to someone that I think would be more than happy to give you something for him but his value is no has never been lower than it is right now yeah the slow start hurt i think the missing um training camp in the preseason didn't help him at all because we talked about the expectation we were having for him if he could maintain that at all and i i just i still don't think he's fully back up to speed if you will because we've noticed it last year like a guy like nylander in Toronto, granted, yes, he's a different level of a player, but he never really caught back on after missing time early, even though he was doing workouts, still skating, and so on and so forth. But I think that's kind of where we're seeing with Athanasiu. And where it goes from here is just a, to me, it's a big toss up. If he keeps at the rate he's going, I still think they can get a, a decent trade return out of him. And would be the mo- the wisest option based off everything that we've talked about, because Fabry Fabry gives you less years or younger years. You still have so much that we haven't even talked about that's coming up through the system, and so, the draft pick this year. And I was just going to bring up that fact is that wherever we're the Detroit's at for the draft this season, they're in good shape. Yeah, one to four. Yeah, and if they, that's that, if that's where it ends up, there's really not a whole lot to worry about with that. I mean, right because, now with uh, with Micah's projections, and I know there's still early projections. Oh, pain! Here it comes. We well, we are projected to finish about nine points lower than the second worst team. So I we've got cushion uh, between being really bad and just normal bad, but it's. Nine points is, is a big gap, and like I said, we could go on a five-game winning streak right now, and it wouldn't matter a bit. So it's we're going to get a one through four pick. What exact pick we get, I don't know, but it's going to be a great player because mm-hmm. the 
this is a really good offensive draft. And if you're stacked between picks one and seven, I mean, you're <laughs> far and away. And it's, I guess it's not so far and away now because people are starting to debate. Should Lafreniere go first over? Are they uh, really? Over Byfield. Oh, but, oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, but you're, if you have to pick between like Lafreniere, Byfield, Raymond, and and Holtz or Stutzel or Lundell or whoever Perfetti, you're getting a great player, mm-hmm. and it's a guy and that's it's a pl- pretty much a play now player. Yeah, it's a guy that's probably going to step right into your lineup, uh, right onto your second line. And again, there's even bigger or even better problem to have. So if you miss out on the first pick and you get the second pick and you get Quentin Byfield, he automatically, I believe, steps in as your second line center. Mm-hmm. without a doubt. And, and that's not even talking about Joe Valino or Michael Rasmussen who are going to round out your centers. Yeah. Who I saw at the mall the other day. Who, um, Rasmussen. Rasmussen. Yeah. Huh. Uh, he was walking into Louis Vuitton, but uh, <laughs> of yeah, course. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be in Grand Rapids? But uh, he, if you figure two years down the road, uh, and and that's why I think Nemeth got signed to that two-year contract and that uh, Philpola got signed to that two-year contract because two seasons from now, your centers could look like Larkin, Byfield, Valeno, Rasmussen. And that, I mean... I like that a lot. I, and the biggest the key takeaway from that is every one of those guys would be 25 and under. Yeah, well, Larkin maybe twenty six for Larkin. I don't know. Depends on where. I don't know what his birthday is, but and in have, two seasons, oof. in two seasons, if you lose Nemeth, you you have Horanikin. Yeah. Uh, you've got Siderin. You, you pray that Chalowski's picked his shit up. Chalowski's better, but you also hope that there's been enough development in McIsaac that McIsaac's in. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at uh, in two seasons just a solid revamp on defense. And you people complain about center depth, complain about center depth. But if your four centers are Larkin, Byfield, Valeno, Rasmussen, that's a I mean, that's probably going to be one of the stronger center cores. And that that goes back to the point earlier about a a center making your team better. Like that's the issue you want to have because going back to the old wings of the past. I mean, think about who the centers were. At and if you've point, got too many centers and need to trade one, that's another good problem to have because teams always want centers. Mm-hmm. And that that gives you a chance of getting a goal scorer. Exactly. Um, but we'll move on from that to to we say I'm going to talk about Zadina and then we get sidetracked with something. <laughs> else. But the emergence of Zadina actually brought us to snapping the streak. So what was uh, the losing streak? So what was funny is me and Tyler recorded the last episode uh, where it was mostly. Um, Comet 2020, yeah, uh, that we were hoping for, and uh, I po- it ended up getting edited and posted after we had won two games. So um, <laughs> it was a rhetorical podcast, yeah. but it was uh, we snapped the streak. We won two games in pretty convincing fashion, actually. Um, that's when Zadina really heated up. Zadina made plays. He had a three point night. It was phenomenal. And then, um, of course, we just went right back to losing. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't beat our record for most losses in a row or tie our record for most losses in a row. But 
I mean, starting last game and the way it's playing tonight and our way our defense is going, I, I mean, we're tied right now, but we could very easily lose to Columbus. Well, so yeah. it's, we've restarted a losing streak, which is okay with me. Like I said, uh, the, uh, earlier this season, lose eight, win one, lose 10, win two, lose 12, win one. That's how we're probably going to go back and forth for the rest of the season. But um, it's it was good to win a couple games. It felt nice. People automatically started bitching like, oh, my God, we need a lottery pick. I'm like, we're so far behind. Just enjoy a win. Yeah. <laughs> it's like enjoy a win. Take some positives out of it. Look at it as development because, like I said, we could go on a five-game win streak and it would not, we'd still be in last place. It would uh, not be well, it depends on if New Jersey would actually pick up a win or two. I mean, we're, we're, they've only got us by four points, so two two quick games that actually put us with... How many games in hand, though? Three. Yeah, see? We got three in hand on them. We got one in hand on Ottawa. So to go bottom up, we're at 21 points, not, not including tonight's games. New Jersey's next at 25, and then Ottawa 30, LA at 31. So 10 points, 10 game, or 10 points would put us up into fourth from the bottom. So yeah. and you, you got to think that those teams are going to win. So they're not going to be right there either. Yeah. And looking at and I think Micah posted it. Yeah. Micah's thing earlier, just looking at uh, point progressions and, and where everyone is slated to finish. New Jersey is still slated to get 78 points on the season, at least oh. 78.7. We're right now projected at 70.6. So. Do you think, though, and I know we we're going to touch on it later, that the Hall trade will impact that and how much that'll impact the team? Um, no, because I don't think Hall... So we can talk about it now. Taylor Hall was traded uh, from New Jersey to Arizona for a... Was it a first conditional first? Uh, no, first round pick third. and a conditional third. The first is a top three protected, it's and then there was a conditional third. Yep, and the third could, will become a second if Hall signs or yep. if they uh, make it past the first round of the playoffs. If both of those things happen, then it becomes a first. Yeah. So they could end up with two firsts and three prospects. And what happened, Hall, it was Hall and a prospect for a first, a conditional third, and three prospects. Mm. So do I think that really impacts New Jersey, whether New Jersey will win more games or not? If anything, I think they win more games now that Hall is gone. Because okay. what I think is could happen or could have possibly been happening is that the the thought of Hall leaving or Hall not wanting to play for the team, he was healthy scratched the last two games. Yeah. Just just the animosity that it seemed like was there because the the word on the street is that there weren't even and I mean the word on the street coming straight from Taylor Hall himself was that there were no contract talks between them at all. Which so, is surprising. A guy yeah. like that, you'd think that would have been, unless it was agent. Well, here, let's keep this in, in mind, too, who his agent is. Is it Darren Ferris? Darren Ferris. Nice. <laughs> the <laughs> same agent as Athanasio. Yeah. So I think that, though, the animosity caused by something like that could hold a team back, could weigh on the locker room because it's it's uncertainty and you don't know if a guy's going to be here or not and if he's going to be traded or not. So I think they could pick it up. They did fire their coach. They got their first win since they fired their coach the other day. Um, but it's, I think that 
could kind of lift a weight off the team that now that situation is over. Their locker room is more settled, is more set. Um, I mean, clearly they were trying to make Taylor Hall the guy because he was their best player and they said he was a good leader. But there have been people saying that Taylor Hall's locker room cancer. And I mean, I I especially can get that if he doesn't want to be there, then he's not going to be probably the best guy to work with. So I think you go on to your leader of now, I would probably say P.K. Subban is probably the best locker room leader for them. Right. But you've you've got your future in guys like Nico Heashier and you've got your future in guys like Hughes, uh, Jack Hughes. So I, I think they they're more probably set going forward without Hall than they were with Hall and his his not wanting to be there. So I could foresee them winning more games than than they have been. We'll, we'll see, see if you're correct, Nostradamus. Well, we can, I mean, and we hope they do, right? Because, oh, absolutely. Yeah. For how things are going so far, that's the team to really focus on and hope that they perform better because Ottawa's, I mean, they have 30 points, but they're performing better than anyone probably would have thought. LA's about where they you would have expected. And then you're getting into teams that you weren't really expecting it from with Chicago and then Columbus yeah. and Anaheim. And, so and San Jose. San Jose has been awful. That's why Pete DeBoer yeah. got fired. And the yeah. whole coaching car- carousel that's been going on. I mean, right now, Ottawa, New Jersey, and L.A. are the ones we really have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And, and you know Ottawa's not going to get any better. I mean, Duclair has been on fire recently. Right. Um, but New Jersey needs to pick it up, and I, I think they will. And L.A. has been doing better recently. I think they're they're now projected to end with like 82 points on the season. So that's huh. far okay. and above what we're projected to end with. I'll tell you. But, yeah. But I think that we're we're in a good spot to where even if we went on a small win streak, it wouldn't really affect us very much, which is sad, but great for us because winning feels good and winning helps us better evaluate players. But um if we were closer it could hurt our lottery chances but i don't think it's really going to do anything no i I think i feel cautiously optimistic about how we'll fit we'll end up faring in the the lottery but regardless anything within the top 10 is going to be great this season it's one of the deepest drafts and we've talked about this before so do what you got to do keep closer to the bottom preferably but i'm not too worried yep so I think we got a couple more points of news to go over before we close out tonight. Uh, Danny DeKaiser is most likely out for the rest of the season. Brutal. He, yeah, he will be having back surgery. And that sucks because back surgery can go. I mean, that's a very anytime you're messing with someone's back, it's kind of risky. Mm-hmm. Um, people are saying, well, it's probably just like a herniated disc or something. But even still, like, look at Hank and what Hank had to go through with back injuries. And it's not good. No. So uh, we hope DeKaiser gets better. People were hoping he could come back and provide a little bit of stability to the defense, uh, the defensive core. But in, in recalling today, because Erickson is now also injured, Brian Lashoff is now in Detroit. So we've got that to look forward to. <laughs> Speaking but, of, the wife heard that he was back in the lineup tonight, and she's like, he still plays hockey? Yeah, man. Right. Give him that uh, a couple days paycheck. Right. But I uh, take it. Yeah. DK will most likely be out for the remainder of the season. 
Uh, we'll see how his rehab goes, what it looks like. But a, a back surgery is not something to take lightly. It's something that's hard to come back from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens there. Nice thing could be the cap space that it opens up, though. Yeah, because if they put him on LTIR, that's like five million in cap space that that could potentially lead us to a contract dump mm-hmm. uh, that another player needs to get rid of, offload some picks in a contract dump, give them one of our lesser garbage players for one of their really garbage players and in a pick or something so i think that that part of it will end up being very key and something to really watch as the season goes on what does it mean it's going to happen no but it gives detroit a good amount of leverage against a team contending to get rid of a bad contract to make a move for a, a better player that's available from an, a, a similar team or another bad team or, yeah, it could, kind of, or it could be what, something that they use as their advantage in the Athens trade, if that's a, a way they went with it. Yeah, I could see that happening too. Because that opens um, you up to $8 million in cap, potentially. So, yep. yeah, that'd be huge. And then moving forward, if that brought in another pick as well. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Now, the other uh, injury-related news was uh, Jimmy Howard, who was retroactively placed on injured reserve, but is on a conditioning now, uh, injured reserve conditioning stint. He'll start with Grand Rapids to play a few games. But the problem with that is that we will now have three goalies. So generally teams don't carry three goalies because that means you have to carry one less forward or one less defenseman, which are kind of the more, I guess, not important positions, but more easily injured in game positions to be able to sub or uh, more like, I guess it's easier to sub or to have extras because there are more forwards and more defensemen. So it's better Mm -hmm. to have an extra defenseman or a better forward. You normally only need to carry two goalies. So Bernier has been, Bernier's last game was great. A great game. Mm -hmm. Um, This game. Montreal for reference. Yeah, this game has been okay against Columbus. I mean, all the goals have not been his fault, but a couple have been. One was pretty bad that deflected off Daly's sticking in. And then we can look at Eric Comrie, who is young, who his game. Yeah, he has made some spectacular saves. He's looked good in his couple games he's played. But again, our defense is so bad. And like we've been saying, you could put Martin Brodeur in his prime in the Red Wings net. And he'd still, be, he'd still be letting in three to five goals a game because of how bad the defense is. Yeah. So Comrie's kind of shot himself in the foot a few times too, though. His rebound control has been terrible. He is not eating pucks. He, uh-uh. I mean, he knows he needs to work on that. Yeah. But what you can, what you're going to have to do when Howie gets healthy is one of three things. You either do what no one thinks you're going to do. And I even asked, uh, I, uh, Prashanth earlier, do you, what are the chances of them waiving Jimmy Howard for purposes of contract termination if he gets lit up in Grand Rapids? And he said, absolutely zero. And yeah, so I don't think they do that too. That's option one. Option two, you trade Bernier. And I'm not sure how much trade value Bernier has right now. I mean, it's not a lot. Still has an extra year on his contract at three million. I mean, that's yeah. I don't know. 
and I mean you or they do what's probably most likely the option or the final option, which is you wave Comrie and and send him to Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. But then which, you risk losing him. Exactly, you risk losing him. So and you're kind of in a back after that. Their goalie depth has been not too great. Yeah, you're in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. But something's got to happen, and it's going to happen. Uh, I mean, you're allowed to do a conditioning stint for 14 days, mm-hmm. so that'll get Howard at least three or four games in. And I guess we'll see what happens. But I mean, you've got to think what they're going to do is they're going to wave Comrie, and just hope someone doesn't pick him up. Most likely, I mean, the way injuries have been treating this team you really can't afford to send another forward defenseman down. I mean, their only true option I think would be Christopher N um, because he hasn't really been all that hot, but the D is decimated. And unless you're calling Chalowski back up or sending, I mean, they brought lash off up in his stead. So that kind of tells you where they think everything is at at the moment. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out the next two weeks. And if, Eisman's going to go all stealthy and get a, a late night trade going again. Now, why is Christopher N not listed as waiver exempt anymore on cap friendly? I was pretty uh, sure he was still waiver exempt. You talking about the little green arrow next to his name? Yeah. Cause it says only Zadina and Heronic are waiver exempt, which to me is weird because I thought, I know Hiroshi is, but Hiroshi's in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. So, it's yeah, that's a different story, but uh, yeah, I think N is probably your safest bet for for moving down and or healthy scratching or something. But I I don't think they're going to carry three goalies. It just doesn't make sense for them to carry three goalies, especially since all three goalies have been rather mediocre recently. Mm-hmm. Bernie so, has really been the only true bright spot, and that's been but hit, that's hit been for one game. Well, yeah, but I mean, overall, I mean, he, he's he's been getting peppered with shots the last all couple of his last couple them. outings. I mean, I, I get that all of them have, but he's to make thirty eight saves on forty two shots. That's still yeah. pretty damn good. It's good, um, but so then trade him. Can you trade him for a th- third or fourth round pick? I bet because the season's lost. Mm-hmm. The season's lost. So if you, but the thing is, then if you trade Bernier. Your goalie future is uncertain going into next year, hundred percent. Right, because you are also losing Howard in the off season. I have a hard time believing they'll bring Howard back next season. I still think Bernier is who they keep because he's signed for one more year. Yeah, uh, and then you hope by then you either have a great goalie. You hope that Larson in an extra season has picked it up, or you hope that Comrie actually becomes something great, or that good enough. Yep, or that. And in two seasons, I you can't see Eliason coming in. You can't see Bratstrom or Petrozelli or anything coming in directly into the NHL and playing. So Is Larson going to step it up too? So it'll have to be Larson stepping it up next season, or it will have to be drafting a, a goalie. I wouldn't draft a goalie this year with how high we're picking. I'm not taking Askarov before pick 10. But again, if we're bad next season, what stops you from picking a high, high-ranking goalie? I think you have to absolutely look into it at that point. If you're, if next season were to be this bad, you don't have a choice. Yeah, 
I mean, we've got two. I, our goalie pipeline is is good, and and the goalies have looked good, and Bratstrom's look good. Uh, you've got Carter Guylander went to the World Junior A Challenge. Um, it's and he's playing for I think he's playing for Team Canada in the mm-hmm. World Junior A Challenge, and and he's looked really good in his season. Has, but he, the league he's in is not a hard league. It's not a high ranking league. It's but he has played very well with where he's at. So uh, I mean, Petrozelli's played well this season for Quinnipiac. His numbers year over year have improved. Uh, but that's what you look for in your goalie is year over year improvement. And all of them have done that. Now it's disappointing that Larson's been sent to Toledo yeah. and has also not played super well in Toledo. Really, so, I haven't been able to track him at all. Yeah, so I don't know if his injuries bothering him. I I don't know what's going on there, and I'm not going to write anyone off right now because it's his first shot at the pros, and he's a goalie, and goalies take the longest to develop and are the most unpredictable. So I'm going to give him at least a full season to see what he's doing. Um, but it's just it's a little troubling to see him not be consistently good in Grand Rapids to be sent down to Toledo and also not be great in Toledo right now. Didn't Grand Rapids end up keeping Pat Nagel over him? Uh, they did. They moved Nagel up and they moved uh, Larson down. And now mind you, Nagel is what, 32 years old? Something like that. Yeah, he's older. So that tells you that was, it was a rough outing if that's the case. I mean, granted, Nagel has, if in the little bit I've been able to follow Toledo, he's been very consistently good yeah wouldn't say great but he's been decent and good in toledo so for him to get the opportunity to go to grand rapids that's fantastic does it lead to an nhl appearance i don't know i don't even know if he has any from before or not i haven't that's just how unfortunately how little i actually do know about him um pat nagel uh he has not played a single nhl game so there's the potential of that happening this year as well yeah, so if you look at Philip Larson, he's played three games with Toledo uh, with a 3.04 uh, goals against and an 8.86 save percentage. How many shots so, against? Uh, he has had... Um, why does this not give me shots against? It gives me saves. 70 saves in three games. Hmm. So, um, yeah. I just I don't one win, two losses. Uh, nine goals against in three games, but 70 saves. So that's, I mean, nine goals against in three games, that's three goals a game. That's not phenomenal. So I just, I'm hoping Larson can turn it around. We're hoping he's the goalie of the future. Again, you can yell Askarov in my face all you want. I'm probably going to tell you to fuck off because I'm not <laughs> taking a goalie in the top five. It doesn't make any sense. Speaking of fuck off, can we go that route right now? Yeah, that's what I think we're going to end the podcast with. Um, Emotion. There we go. Yeah, please. Okay, so public service announcement. If I see you in Little Caesars Arena and you woo, you might get punched in the face. It's going to happen. Because I'm surprised it, it hasn't happened yet. Oh, my God. On my TV, all you hear is woo. And whoever started the woo, I'm, I need to hit real hard. So I know I think Rick we need Flair, to attack the DJ is who we need to yeah. st- go after. Well, because I guess what they're doing is they're playing a clip of Ric Flair on the screen and he's wooing and then everyone else woos and then everyone keeps wooing. And God, it's the worst thing about hockey right now is the woos. And maybe if we were winning, it might be ha ha funny. 
but we're not. So stop wooing. And I think you took a poll, Ryan. What was your poll result? Uh, I was getting ready to pull that right up. First, I want to make a happy note and pride myself in the fact that my original tweet of calling them, quote, fucks are insufferable. <laughs> uh, that one caught fucking traction and took off. I'm looking for the tweet here. I sent it to Max earlier, so that's the one I'm looking for, of what the final poll results were. So... Long story short, it was a hate it, love it, only after goals, because that's typically when the thing got played, or everything hurts. And with an hour and 19 minutes left, we had 237 votes. A whopping 46% of the respondents hate the woo. How many people love the woo, though? What was the percentage for love it? 12%, the lowest of the four selections. Another 17% prefer the woo after a goal, which I can accept that. Yeah, that's fine. You can woo after a goal. I will allow one woo after a goal per how many goals we have. So if we score and it makes the score four to two, woo four times. Have at it. Go for it. Don't woo for nothing. It's like the woo is up there right now with the wave. Yeah, I've seen that comparison made more the last day or two. I don't want to see that is 100% just like the wave. The worst goddamn thing ever. But I, I really do feel for the 25%, though, in the poll that voted everything hurts. I f- we feel you. I especially feel you because yeah. everything hurts when the woo is taking place as well. So please <laughs> end it. Make it fucking end. Yeah. Ric and Flair wasn't even that great. Stone Cold was way better. It, it's a, The whole thing is like and, – and it's become such a thing that uh, Max Boltman from The Athletic even did an article about the woo. Mm-hmm. Um he even asked people to DM him. I, I just sent a short DM from our Twitter saying we hate the woo collectively as a podcast. <laughs> we hate the woo. I gave him a hearty paragraph as well. It's become so, I mean, just every five, it seems like every five minutes, that's all you hear on the, on the TV is woo. And, and what are they wooing? Because we got scored on, or they wooing because we took a dumb penalty. They're, we, they're wooing because they're bored or drunk or both. I mean, the one video I saw that somebody posted, and I think Max actually linked it to in the article is the dude was just ready to go off on these people. They're just wooing for no fucking reason. Like that's why it's annoying and that people can't stand it is because with 10 minutes to go in the third period the other night, Everyone was wooing while the game's going on, and there's nothing actually pertaining to why it was being a, a woo fest. But what I've noticed too, it may, it's got to be season ticket holders because the woos sound very much the same every game, <laughs> and that's what drives me absolutely insane. Not some cheap stub uh, hub. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a, it's a losing battle for right now until this team actually starts winning. Because it never used to be this way, and we're just at an insufferable moment of time. Can we do a change.org petition? We need we to do something. Stop the woo at Little Caesars Arena. And speaking of Little Caesars Arena, my God, does this arena look empty? Holy mm-hmm. crap. Start of the there's, third, it doesn't look good. There's got to be like 60 people there. The black seats did not do them did, any justice. They Shocker. did not help at all. The black seats, they, like I said, the black seats are going to make it worse because everyone's wearing red jerseys mm-hmm. and it's easy to spot out empty black spots between the red jerseys. So if you keep the seats red, it's, it's a lot less noticeable on TV, but that, I don't know. It's those people. So actually the, the crowd is so sparse right now. 
that if you see a family member or loved one woo on TV, <laughs> um, please remind them to not do that or they risk physical bodily harm uh, from someone in their general vicinity or people on Twitter. So, yeah, 46 percent of the respondents, which I think can safely translate into uh, the rest of the Red Wings fan base because everyone that I've engaged majority of the people I've engaged with hate it unless you're Rohan and incessantly mock me and just to woo over and over again against me. Yeah. I think I posted something a while when the woo first started and I'm like, are they wooing? Does anyone else hear the wooing? And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah. And then everyone else is like, I hate it. But there are a couple of people like, come on, it's just fun. They're doing it to have fun. Got to do something when the team's losing. How about let's go Red Wings. How about singing lit? You do all the fun Red Wing stuff. Wooing is not fun. Wooing annoys people. Wooing comes through my television, and I don't like it. Oh, there's a goal. Um, but, yeah, it's – stop. Stop wooing. I don't want to hear it anymore. No one else wants to hear it. According to Ryan's poll, which is every person who watches the Red Wings, no one yeah. wants to hear the woo. Legitimate sources within there, so I'm sure. People who matter. Because I said so. Don't want to hear the woo. Um <laughs> On a side note, we're now losing quickly into the third period. And on a completely unrelated note of everything, Andre Svechnikov apparently just did the lacrosse goal again. Are they just going to let him do that? Because uh, apparently. You know he's done it once, so you think you'd, you'd watch out for that. But uh, let, just let the kid have fun, I guess. He's a great he's, player. In, understatement. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's all we got for tonight. Uh, we have done, we snapped the streak. Zadine is amazing. Adam Ernie is apparently a god for one game. DeKaiser's dead. Howie's <laughs> almost dead. Uh, stop wooing. That was everything. That's really <laughs> the only, if you take anything away from this entire conversation, is stop the fucking wooing. woo needs to end. <laughs> awesome. Well, we got through that, but Ryan, let's get your final thoughts before we close out. My final thoughts are stop fucking wooing. That's what you got? That's pretty much all I got. All right, Twitter. Uh, already ran 33. Uh, my final thoughts are um, Zadina makes me a happy person. I'm really glad that this gets to be his uh, rookie season and that they trust him enough to give him his. And it had to have been a, an Iserman thing. Iserman must have told Blashell, hey, you need to give Zadina some minutes. You need to play this kid. He's proven that he because uh, Blashell goes to the Babcock school of ruining prospects. Um, <laughs> so. I'm I'm just happy that he's getting a shot and that he's showing that he's he's worth that shot and he's worked for his ice time, so that's good. Um, but I think that's my final thoughts. And if Adam Ernie can keep this up, he'll he'll move up in ice time and he'll move up. He could possibly move up the lineup a little bit too. So uh, we're trending in some positive. Even if we lose, we're trending in the positive for development, which is what I can. Yay! Yeah, you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Uh, if you go to howieshockeytape.com and use a promo code GRINDLINE on your online order, you get 10% off of your purchase. Uh, great for Christmas time. So if you have a hockey player in your life or your family or you're a coach for a team and just want to buy some product, you can get a discount just by using code GRINDLINE. Uh, we have switched services now. We are no longer on Podbean. We are on Anchor. It makes things a million times easier for us. Um, so you may now find our podcast on some sources you hadn't found it on before because they distribute us to a bunch of things that I've never even heard of. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, it's, um, the more places we can be, the better. 
And don't forget, but, we have merchandise. Yeah, we've got merch. We've got a Redbubble shop, which I might be converting to a Teespring. We'll see. Okay. But, we need to update the, get, get that stuff updated a little bit. We did just make a sale recently, I saw. Yeah, so I've got design ideas. It's just getting the time to do them with work. It's been a crunch. But, um, yeah, if you go to redbubble.com and you search the grind line, you will find our shop. We've got a bunch of cool stuff up there. Again, Christmas present ideas. So go there. It supports the podcast, helps us pay the bills. Uh, if you are, if you own a company and you would like to sponsor our podcast, please reach out to us on Twitter uh, at Grindline Pod. Send us a DM. Our DMs are open. We can work something out. Uh, get in a spot for you, uh, and and help you sell your product or promote your brand. Yeah. But yeah, but I think that's it. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, hockey town.